Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're in the midst of studying through John chapters 13 through 17. Over the past two weeks, we've covered uh, all of chapter 13, and we're ready to jump into chapter 14 today. So we're going to cover the first 14 verses of John chapter 14. One of the things that Jeremy and I have talked about is the challenge of a study like this, is that there's so much in each part of these chapters, and so it's easy to get caught in one specific section or one specific verse. But the reality is, as we've talked about from the very beginning of this study, is that really what we're reading from chapter 13 through chapter 17 is one conversation probably all of which took place in the matter of an hour or two even, a very short period of time right near the end of Jesus' life. And so it's, it's difficult sometimes to study this section by section because you lose the big picture of the, the conversation that's taking place. But hopefully we can keep this in context and continue to talk about it as the one conversation uh, that is being had here. So just in terms of context, Jeremy, maybe kind of catch us up to speed where we finished chapter 13 and what we're going to be getting into at the beginning of chapter 14. Yeah, we, we've made mention already that this is, a, this is a heavy conversation time, that this is a heavy time, not just by way of teaching, which we'll certainly begin to see more of mm-hmm. in this chapter, but e- emotionally it's a heavy time, and not just for Jesus. Certainly it is for him. He is well aware, and we've talked at length over the last couple of weeks. He, he's well aware of the timing of things. He, he understands, as we made mention of Judas and his role in it, already sending him out to take care of what he's going to take care of. Jesus knows that when he leaves here and goes into the garden, he's going to be arrested. He knows yep. he's about to be crucified. He knows that his time with these men is very, very short on earth, physically as he is here. He knows all of that. So that certainly is weighing on his mind as he's having this kind of final sit down, if you will, with these men. But yeah, we made mention last week, this is also a pretty emotional moment for these apostles, these men. Do they understand it? Certainly to the level of Jesus, timing-wise, they certainly don't. But I think they're beginning to sense something is a bit different, yep. you know, here. And at the very end, by way of context, and you're right, it, for us, you know, kind of looking at this piece by piece over several weeks is what this study will be, we'll do our very best to kind of keep it, you know, in that context of, of keeping it in a flow, if you will. But at the very end of chapter 13, Jesus has some pretty damaging things psyche wise for these men Uh, not just with his conversation with judas uh it's difficult to tell how many even would have heard or or caught hold of of what was taking place but but certainly his conversation that he has with peter uh people are taking notice of there's no question about that certainly peter does and he has some some pretty hurtful things to say about some decisions that they're going to make and and these men certainly don't think that that's where they're going to be Mm -hmm. 
But they're bothered. They're bothered by this kind of conversation. They're bothered by the fact that Jesus has told them that he, he's, he's going away. They're, they're bothered by all of this. And you get the sense of that by, as you read it. But what really is compelling, and certainly we'll talk about as we get into chapter 14, Jesus gets the sense of that. And so that's why you have at the very outset in John 14 and verse 1, don't, uh, don't let your heart be troubled. He, he senses mm-hmm. where they are emotionally and, and, and how he helps them really at the beginning of John chapter 14. It's a remarkable passage. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and read the first 14 verses of John chapter 14, and then we'll dive into the conversation for today. So beginning in verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, one of the things you mentioned at the outset of this that I think is really important is we are moving into a portion of this text where Jesus does some pretty deep teaching. He's going to give them some heavy things that they're going to have to chew on for a little bit. And he starts to get into some of those with this. But I think you, you also mentioned the way that he begins this chapter coming off of what he had just told Peter at the end of chapter 13, that I'm going somewhere that you can't go right now, but don't let this trouble you. And, and actually, in the midst of all of this, while Jesus is talking about leaving and, and alluding to his own death as we continue on through this uh, study In all of this, there's actually meant to be encouragement found in all of these things and actually joy to be found in all of these things. And so I think it is really impactful that Jesus, he's actually going to bookend almost chapter 14 because at the very end or near the very end, he uses that same phrase again, let not your heart be troubled. And so he's really intent on while doing some serious teaching, while talking to them about some serious things to make sure that they find joy and comfort in this as well. Yeah, I mean, this is who he is, right? I mean, we've already seen that. I mean, he exemplified that the very beginning of our conversation a few weeks ago, right? The very outset of this, it, it seems that, you know, once dinner is completed, Jesus girds himself with a towel and he 
washes his disciples' feet, and certainly they're bothered by that, but he, he, he paints the picture that, that that's what he's all about. He's all about being a servant, and then he encourages them. That's what you need to be all about. You need to be all about being a servant. And, you know, it, it, during this time where it would be so easy for him to be focused on himself, to be thinking about himself, to be thinking or, or even about all that he has laid out in front of him, to be so focused on those things. But yet what we see him, certainly through this section of the conversation, he's solely focused on these men and, and, and what they've got coming up, right? He knows. He knows the difficulties that they have coming up. He knows that his relationship with them is going to be different. And he knows all of that, and he's concerned about that. And so you see the care that he has coming out. And, and you make an incredible point by, you know, he, he's trying to lift them up. That's what this is mm-hmm. designed to do. They're bothered. They're troubled by the conversation that has happened at the end of chapter 13. And he's looking to encourage them. That's what lifting up, that's how you define that, right? He's looking to encourage them. And how does he encourage them? He, he, it's hope, in, in essence, is what yeah. he provides for them. Yeah, he's talking to them. He's still answering essentially the same question is, you know, Lord, we want to go with you. And he's like, not now. You can't come with me now. But there will be a time. And he talks about going to prepare a place for them. And he's going to receive them to himself. And Thomas asks the natural question, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how are we going to know how to get there? Like, I need, you think back to the last three years of these guys' lives, Jesus has physically led them everywhere they've gone. And so if he's gone, if he leaves, how are they going to know where to find him? How are they going to know where to go? He's been the one that has led them the whole way. And I think one of the things that Jesus really hits on in chapter 14, and he begins it here, is to encourage these guys and tell them that you are not going to be in a position. I will not put you in a position where you're going to have to figure this out by yourself. you got to trust me on that. So even though I'm leaving, you have to trust the fact that I have both equipped you for everything that you're going to have to do, and as we'll get into on another time, I'm going to provide to you a helper who's going to help you along the way. I'm not going to leave you to figure these things out for yourselves. And that had to be, hopefully, a comfort to them. It's certainly a comfort to us today to to realize that God has never left his people in a situation where we've got to figure all this out for ourselves. He's never done that. He has always provided the direction that we need. And here, Jesus is telling them, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You look to me, and I will provide you the guidance that you need. Yeah, I mean, listen, leapfrogging his conversation and discussion about his relationship with the Father just for a second, but the very end of this text, I mean, you you think about what he has to tell them. He's going to a place that they can't go right now. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to show them the way that they can come later, but they can't go right now. But he closes in 12, 13, and 14 of John chapter 14 that we've read with, you know, the idea that, listen, I've been doing all these things for you now, physically this way, that's not going to be any different. Right. I'm still available to yeah. you. I'm going to be available to you. Whatever, whatever you ask in my name, verse 14, I will do it. What an incredible promise that is, right? I mean, it's an incredible promise that is 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 there to build them up, to know that, listen, it's Jesus saying, I'm going somewhere, and I know I've done a lot for you, 
I, I'm not I'm I'm not going away. I'm going somewhere different, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. going to be here for you. And he'll get into that certainly more in, in specific ways that he's going to be able to do that later in this conversation. But, you know, it, it's just, it's a remarkable way that he reminds them that, listen, wh- whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. I, I'm yeah. still going to be there. If, you, if there's something you need, you can still contact me, he's mm-hmm. saying. Yep. You can still contact me, and I'm still going to be there for you. And, and it, it ha- the reassuring nature of this conversation I think has to have a big impact. Yeah, you know, oftentimes we get down into verses 12, 13, and 14, and I think perhaps we can somewhat misapply some of this if we're not too careful, because Jesus is very specifically talking to the apostles here about exactly what you just described. Hey, they're, they're in their minds, they're trying to process all of this, and they're thinking, but we we need you, Jesus. I mean, you have been, you're the one who has performed all of these works and these miracles. You're the one who has given us all of this divine teaching. You, you've done all of this for me. And in response to that, that is what he says in verse 12, 13, and 14. Listen, you ask me anything and I'll do it for you. Now, there is a reality that through prayer, we also have the ability to make requests of the Father, and He answers prayer, and there's no doubt about that. But this particular instance, Jesus is answering a direct concern of the apostles. And so we have to be a little bit careful with how we we apply some of these things to, to us today. But certainly what we should take from this, I think above everything else, is the comfort aspect of all of That's this. Right. That That is what truly should be seen because of the comfort that Jesus provides to his apostles here. That same comfort can be applied to us and should be applied to us because we can go all the way back to the Old Testament. You can go back to the people of Israel. Even when they were in the worst of situations, God didn't abandon them. Now, they abandoned God on times, but God never abandoned his people. He always, always gives his people the direction that they need. He's always there when needed. He's never going to leave them. And that's essentially what Jesus is trying to tell the apostles here. Yeah, you know, sometimes, the, the, yeah, you're exactly right. We read those those three verses, and, you know, if we try to apply that to, you know, Jesus as the genie in the bottle here, that, you know, whatever you wish I have to do, uh, you know, with, with no regard for, you know, anything at all, yeah, you're, you were missing the conversation. Yeah. The conversation is that this line of communication is still going to be there, and it, it's going to be a comfort to you. I, I'm still accessible to you in some way. And, and, you know, that's what prayer is. I mean, there's, that's a big part of what prayer is. I mean, you know, Paul makes mention of it specifically in Philippians chapter four, when he says, you know, listen, be anxious, you know, for, you know, by nothing, by everything, by prayer and supplication. And then that very next verse, let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart. And, And so he's making the point that this level of communication that, that we can lay this on God, it, it does bring comfort. That's a big part of what prayer, yeah, about what prayer right. is. Certainly God is there to listen, and he is absolutely has the power to answer prayer in his will. There's no question about that. But yet here, this is all about comfort because the whole conversation is, hey, I'm going to be going, and the apostles are like, uh, where? <laughs> uh, and if you're going, I'm going to go. And he mm-hmm. says, you can't. You can't right now. 
And now it, it just becomes a heavy, a heavy piece of teaching for them. It does. And even in response to that question, you know, Jesus talks about going to the Father and going to the Father's house. And so Philip asks the question, hey, show us the Father. So at least, you know, that would give us some peace and comfort knowing where you're going and who it is you're going to. Show us the Father. And this is where, as you mentioned a moment ago, this is where Jesus gets into some pretty deep teaching about uh, the the relationship between himself and the Father. You can't have one without the other. They are one and the same. And, and he's going to talk to them specifically about that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've known me, you've known the Father. And that, again, I think is is intended to provide comfort as well as some instruction to them. And really for us, you know, we, we can provide some insight into the, the, the Trinity and the Godhead, those types of things. They are certainly separate in certain ways, but if we know Jesus, we know the Father. If we know the Father, we know the Holy Spirit. They're, they're a package deal in that regard. And Jesus is wanting them to see that because that should give them a great level of comfort that you actually know the Father, if you know me. You actually have seen the Father, if you've seen me. And so this, again, comfort combined with pretty deep teaching. You know, we've, we've talked several times about how these guys are kind of drinking from a fire hose at certain times. And I think this is one of those instances where they're they're looking for some comfort and direction, and Jesus is providing them that along with something that they're going to have to give some thought to. Yeah, but, you know, it's pretty incredible how straight talk this is, you know, in a lot of ways. You know, listen, Jesus has claimed deity mm-hmm. multiple times throughout the Gospels. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's what got the religious leaders most riled up, right, yeah, the, of Jesus true. and his claim of deity. And, and, and he, he's done that. He's not masked it per se, but he has nowhere been as straight as what this is right here. Because it's almost like, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Did you get that? <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen... I mean, he like gives it to him three different ways, right? Yeah. I mean, and it, it is as straight yep. as it possibly can be. So he's wanting them to understand that, listen, you've been here with me for sure. You've been here with me. You've seen me as a man. You've seen me hungry. You've seen me tired. You've seen me difficulty. You've seen me bleed. You've seen me, you've seen me as a man. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he wants them to understand, uh, I also stand before you deity. Yeah. I, I stand before you as God. You, you think about the Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, him and I, we are the same. And I mean, you had, I mean, how big were their eyeballs right here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it is, it, it's just an incredible amount of, uh, amount of uh, teaching. But he, he's doing all of that based off of this concern that Thomas mm-hmm. is showcasing. So he's doing, he's trying to help them. He's helping them along. But when Thomas is like, well, how, how, you know, how do we know how to get there? Or what, what do we know with the fathers? What, what do we know about all that? And Jesus, it, it is another a reassuring thing. You can have a, you're having a great relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. You can do that because you have a great relationship with me. And it is when you start to tie all of that together. And certainly, as you get into the book of Acts, these are things that the apostles have tied together because you see their level of preaching that comes out of that. Yeah, this is one of those instances where I think in the position where we're in today, where we have the entirety yep. of Scripture laid out before us, this isn't as shocking a statement great point. to us as it would have been to them. Because to your point that you made a second ago, 
Essentially, this is what God Jesus put on the cross right here. His his claim to deity and the claim that he laid to the authority over the word. That that essentially is what ultimately got him put on the cross. You know, he could have gotten away with a lot of things, but the Pharisees were not going to let this fly. Man equating themselves to God, that was not going to fly in the eyes of the Pharisees. And no matter what happened, they were not going to believe that Jesus was God. And so it's it's this claim right here that that leads really to everything else that's that's going to happen. And so it's it's interesting to me that just hours before he ends up on the cross, this is the teaching that he's giving the apostles. He's not hiding from this. In fact, he wants to make it crystal clear who he is and what his relationship to the Father is. And as you mentioned, you, you know, a lot of what we read here in chapter 14, especially when we get into the latter part of chapter 14, there's several allusions to Acts chapter 2 and even the, the days and months that follow the, the day of Pentecost. But certainly this is one of them, the, the unity between Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. That's incredibly important for especially the apostles to understand as they're being tasked with taking the instruction of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and continuing on the spread of the gospel. And so for them to understand this, that Jesus knows they've got to get this. They have to understand this in order for them to be equipped to do the work that I've got prepared for them. Yeah, it, th- this is a must. This is a must belief in a lot of ways. You know, what's one thing that Jesus was the Son of God, uh, that is a belief, that is a belief that has to be there, and, and we see that confessed even from the apostles themselves throughout the Gospels. But this idea that Jesus is deity has to happen because it's where his authority really yeah. comes from. If, you know, when he's gone— and, uh, you know, after his death, after his resurrection, after his ascension, it, it will ultimately be, it is Jesus that's being preached. And he's, mm-hmm. being, he's being preached, he's being glorified, he's being praised because he is God. If that wasn't the case, there, there's, you know, it, all yeah. of this is, is moot, right? I mean, yeah. it's in a similar kind of way. It's, you know, the point Paul is going to make in 1 Corinthians 15 about resurrection, right? If that didn't happen... Mm-hmm. Then he was just a kind of a good guy. I mean, it, oh. you know, our faith is, is is moot in a lot of ways, and and so this is so foundational for them for sure. But even for us to be able to equate that, right? To be able to glorify Christ, to be magnify Christ in our bodies. Well, it's okay to say that because He is God, right? It's mm-hmm. not taking away from the Father to magnify Christ in your body, right? It, it, they are one. They are, they are deity, right? And it is so important, and I think that's why in this section he is so straightforward about it and really, really wants them to get it. And that makes, understanding that makes what he says there in verse number 12 even more incredible, I'm sure, to the apostles as they heard it, because they're thinking about, Christ and his unity with the Father, and they're thinking about everything that they have seen Jesus do. And what Jesus says in verse 12 is, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you'll also do, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. Now, if I was one of the apostles, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to piece all of this together, and I'm, I'm now hearing Jesus, who just equated himself to God, tell me that I'm going to be able to do what he has done 
and even greater works than what he has done, that would be mind-blowing to, to these men. And I think probably in the moment, that's probably exactly the effect that it had on them, probably the intended effect that it, it had. But when we, again, when we think about you know, the day of Pentecost and the days that are going to follow and the great works that the apostles did through the Holy Spirit, you know, we get to see all of this come to fruition in just a matter of a month or so from this point in time. But but to be on this side of it and hearing these things, their minds had to be racing to think about what might be in store for them. Yeah, you know, but what's interesting is, you know, as we kind of get to the end of, of this text, it, it, it is Jesus really in a masterful way, even though he does make mention of, of not wanting them to be troubled by this conversation again. But really in a masterful way, he has taken a very emotional moment mm-hmm. at the end of chapter 13 and be able to really pull them out of that. And then, you know, what we'll see beginning next week in verse 15 is real specific teaching. Yeah. He, he's big picture stuff here at the beginning of, of chapter 14, but he, now but he's pulled them. He's pulled them completely out of the emotional distress of the fact that he's leaving with this incredibly comforting message, and now he positions them to be ready for a pretty specific teaching that he'll give the end of verse chapter 14, certainly in chapter 15 as well, and even in chapter 16, some really specific teaching that they probably would not have been ready for. Mm-hmm. We talked about even last week, he kind of tried to give some teaching about love in between, you know, talking about Judas and Peter, yeah. but they, they, it almost seemed missed. I was going to come back to that, but it's just, it's interesting yeah. that now, now they're ready. They're ready to take this level of teaching, and it's because Jesus has he has weaved this conversation in a perfect way. Yeah, well, that's a good place to stop and a good teaser for next week uh, as we'll continue and finish chapter 14 next week. So thank you all for joining us today, and we'll pick up in verse number 15 next week.